Living the Principles. This podcast is hosted by Latricia Smith and Phyllis G. Williams. Living the Principles seeks to expand mindsets, express beliefs, and edify excellence in hopes of building a stronger Black community. Welcome to Living the Principles. Welcome to Living the Principles podcast, episode 70. I'm Phyllis G. Williams. I am Latricia. Today, we're going to be talking about the principles of faith by discussing our podcast experience and the principle collective works and responsibility by focusing on grief. Phyllis, do we want to start with our experiences first and then go into grief or do we want to do it the opposite? Grief is kind of heavy. Maybe we should start with it. What do you think? We can start with the information about it. We can start with our personal. Yeah, let's start with the information. Because when I was reading, I saw some stuff. Well, let's start out by talking about what grief is. What is grief? So simply put, I would define it as grief is longing for what was. Mm. The clinical way says grief is the response emotional physical behavioral social etc to a significant loss that loss could be death relationships functional loss role position systemic loss and material loss those are some forms of grief i love your definition i think it's important to note though that grief is about loss not only about death but We can grieve so many different things, not only people, but also different things and even different places where we may have been in life or where we want to go or positions or roles. There's all kinds of things that we can grieve. Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that. So why do we grieve? Well, I think we grieve because, first of all, grief is it's a natural response. So it happens. And I think it's as a way for us to heal and to move on with our lives, or maybe not so much to move on that that might be hard, but to learn to live with the loss that we have. Yes, I'm glad you said that. I know we had talked earlier this week and I sent you a video of a TikToker and she had a picture. She's a hospice nurse and she had a picture of a ball, a button and a box and the box is growing, but the button stays the same. So now it just bounces around and it hits us and we grieve at that moment. So grief can happen more sporadically as time passes or can look differently. So, yeah, we grieve to help us heal and learn to live with the loss. And there are so many different types of grief. Yeah. And there are yeah. also stages. Yeah. And one thing about the stages of grief, we could talk about those. But one of the things that I want to point out about the stages of grief is that the stages of grief, they aren't they aren't linear. And I think a lot of times people think that they're linear. So it's like, you're going to go through this, 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 and then it's going to be over. And it's not necessarily true. Do you want to share with us those stages? Yes, I'll share with you as I share the podcast live. (laughs) (laughs) The stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. 
Um, these stages are our attempts to process change and protect ourselves while we adapt to a new reality. And I'm so glad that you said it's not linear. It's more like squiggly lines. And I know we're going to talk about our personal experiences, but I had a personal experience last year. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this person has been passed away for 15 years and I'm having a moment. So they're so different. There's there's not a straight line of grief. Exactly. Some of these stages you may experience and some others you may not experience. One other yeah. thing. Go ahead. Not just to say it exactly. One of the things that I think is so interesting, and when we talk about the collective works and responsibilities, I think about how this model was originated. And when when this model was originated, it was for people who were dying from terminal illness. But I think they came to realize that although this person is dying and they're going to experience these different things, the other people around them or people who love them and know them, they're also going to be experiencing grief. Although their grief may look different, it's not just impacting that one person. It's impacting a whole community of people. Yes. And it's so important to, I did think about collective work, collective works when we were, when we brought up this topic, because People being beside you makes a big difference. I know we're going to get into that more when we talk about remedies of grieving. So let's just talk about some of the common types of grief. There are all types of grief, but we're just going to talk about a few of the common ones. And some of these may even be, well, I know for me, the reason why I chose these few is because these are the ones that have impacted my life the most. And that's, well, the first one is what's called normal or typical grief. And that's the kind of grief that we, that we all experience based on a loss. If someone you love that's close to you, if they die, you experience grief. Maybe if you get a divorce or break up in a relationship, you experience grief and that's, that's normal. Then we have the anticipatory grief, and that's when the person or the thing is, it still exists, but things are changing. And can I ha- ask you to hold for that type of grief? Mm-hmm. So when people, and I'm going to use the, I'm going to use the grief form of people passing away, but there's different types of grief or different reasons people grieve. But let's say, for example, we're talking about people passing away. People, other people who are trying to comfort you may say, well, didn't you know it was going to happen? But yes, I've been anticipating this for two months, three months, four months. Or people try to help with grieving when others are grieving, but sometimes it's not helpful. And this is one I think they overlook. Yes, the person probably was in pain. And they transition. But for the last year, two years, every time you receive a phone call, you may have said, oh, no, is this the call? So you're anticipating that news. And even when it still happens, you don't know how you're going to feel. So I think that's the way people try to have you cope. But they just don't understand grief is it could be a long process. I'm glad you wrote this anticipatory grief. No matter how much you prepare, you can never be fully prepared. And 
We try. We try to prepare. And sometimes we know in advance. Well, we all know that at some point our our numbers are going to come up. But it's just nothing you can prepare for because you really don't know how you're going to feel and what you're going to experience until you're actually in it. So we all think that it's going to be something when it really may be something else. Another type of grief is disenfranchised. And that type of grief is kind of when there are losses that may not be acknowledged or validated societally, or even by people that you know, is kind of like, why, why are you so upset about that? And one thing that comes to mind to me is people who grieve over folks that they don't know. So say like a celebrity dies or even say like Queen Elizabeth, when she died, a lot of people were grieving and people, like, you didn't know her. You don't know these people. Why are you grieving? It's like this thing that people don't understand or is stuff that's not traditionally what people think of as grieving. Nobody's, there's no funeral. There's no body come to your house, bringing food and saying, oh, everything is going to be okay. And, and all that kind of stuff. People just don't understand it. And I think these types of grief go into relationships or collective works of how we can do better when someone is grieving, how we could be more sympathetic and helpful. When you were speaking of disenfranchised grief, I thought about the same thing, celebrities. And I also thought about stuff that people may think is minute. Mm -hmm. Um, By trade, I'm a special education teacher. So I had a light bulb moment about two years ago when I said a student, uh, not a student, a parent having a child with a disability, they start to have a form of grief. They become angry. Oh, no, what's going to happen? They become, they're in denial. And there's all those stages that they go through. And some people say, well, you know what? It could be worse. They read behind two grade levels. It could be worse. So I think in that instance, it's invalidated also. Yeah, that's so true. That is very true. People people don't realize that what people are experiencing. Tell me again your definition of how you define grief because i think that i think that fit perfectly all types of different grief that people are experiencing i'm going to try but i think i said grief is the longing for what was once reality i didn't say those exact words but it's the same thing kind of remixed i can't plagiarize myself so um yeah that's what it is it's the longing for something that once was reality and it's not reality anymore. So you got to go through life knowing that's not my reality anymore. Or sometimes it's just for the stage. Yeah. And, you know, another thing, it could be, I guess, longing for what you thought would be. Like, I guess I, I think about when you talk about being a special ed teacher, I think a lot of parents who have disabilities, they didn't think that they were going to have to parent disabled children. Mm -hmm. And some of the hopes and dreams that they may have had for their children, now they're grieving these hopes and dreams. And I think it's the same thing for people who may have health issues or people who have lost limbs or motion or sight or different things. 
it's lost and people grieve what they don't have or what they expected to have and didn't get. I'm glad you included that because, yeah, like you said, people with uh, severe diseases, if they get lupus or cancer or anything, I've been connected to people and they say, it's not that bad. You still got, you still got air in your lungs. So, uh, <laughs> yes, disenfranchised grief, but that's that's hard to think for the rest of my life. I'm going to be in this pain or need this treatment or need this pill. Good job uh, touching on that a little bit more. Another type of grief is traumatic grief. And traumatic grief happens when there's a loss that is associated with trauma. And oftentimes when we think of this, we think about people who have been murdered or people who have been raped or molested. Those are the kinds of things that are, they're very traumatic, but they also involve a loss, a loss of innocence, loss of life. And then it further complicates it because of the trauma that's on top of it. It does. And I know we're going to speak about faith, but as you talk, I see how grief and faith go hand in hand because even your faith can waver during these grieving processes, uh, whether it's traumatic, whether it's what happens in life. Like you said, we all have an expiration date. There's some type of faith that's built into those experiences as well. Yep. And sometimes people lose faith because of the expectation. I know that sometimes when people are sick and they're dying, people pray and they pray and they pray and they they ask God to heal them. And when they don't see the healing that they expect, then they become mad at God, which part of that goes back to those stages of grief with with the anger and the denial and, and all of that. But then on the other end, I think when you're grieving and you're working on healing and coming out of that grief from where you've experienced so much pain, that faith is what can also get you through it. Yeah, I think it does go hand in hand. And let's see, there. I'm going to go over this three more types of grief, which is complicated grief. That's when grief continues to be severe. Some people, they, it could be years, like you had mentioned, 15 years. You probably, it probably hasn't been 15 straight years that you've been in this constant state of grief, but something triggered it at that point in time. But there are some people who they get stuck in the grief and and they start having other issues. Maybe they become suicidal. Maybe they don't want to live anymore or their health declines. They stop eating. They can't sleep or maybe they oversleep or sleep too much because of the complication that is associated with their grief. And then there's collective grief, and that's when groups grieve. And that's kind of like what the world experienced two years ago with the pandemic. There was this collective grief. And we can say so many things with collective grief, especially with with so much happening, like with 9-11, with the the school shootings. There's just there's been a lot where 
people have come together to grieve collectively because of what has happened in their community. And then the last one that I want to mention is the cumulative grief. And that's when you have losses that happen close together and you're still grieving the initial loss. And I, I mentioned these because, like I said, I know that these are some that I've experienced. And I also know that these are some that you have experienced as well. So that's why I mentioned these. But there are other types of grief, but these are the ones that kind of hit home. Like I said at the beginning, grief is kind of a heavy, uh, kind of a heavy topic, and just thinking about it and talking about it, it make that's what triggered me. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm feeling a little triggered right now. So I don't know what uh, was going to come after this moment. <laughs> I had the same feeling. I was thinking about this last night. So we both have had our experiences with grief. And since starting this podcast, so we started the podcast in May 2019. And since then, I've lost maybe six people in my family. I've recently moved and I miss my previous community. But the hardest for me has been the cumulative grief. Mm-hmm. And I guess, and I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people probably, especially with the pandemic happening, had this like one loss, another loss, another loss. Six months later, this person passes away. Um, one year later, another person passes away within these time frame, within these short time frames. So for me, um, the thing that I can relate to a lot of these, but the one that I'm going to talk about briefly is cumulative. Latricia and I have been doing this podcast for the last. This may have been four years and we start off real strong and you had an experience. I'll let you talk about that because I thought about anticipatory grief, too, with you. And I would say within I think it was the third year that we had the podcast that I lost my sister. I lost my sister on August the 3rd, 2021. And I, six months later, I lost someone who I called my sister. We were really close friends. Uh, I used to say she's my truest friend. And she passed away six months later after that. And I can barely remember that year. Like, it's all, it's all a cloud to me. Because I was like, the time's changing back. I don't remember when the time changed. <laughs> like, so. I don't even remember when the time changed and now the time's changing back. I don't remember when we fall back now we're springing forward because it was just so much on my mind. And I was very fortunate to have a community and it happened exactly one year ago on this day. So I had a heavy caseload at work. I lost my sister um, one week before I had to go to school. The first day I went to school, it was my birthday. So this is my first birthday without her. And she has only been buried, not even a whole week. And I get like this rush of kids coming in and kids with severe behavior issues, no fault of their own, but severe behavior issues. So that was August. And then in December, I'm sorry, then in February, 
my other sister passed away, um, sister in love passed away. So in March, Miss Higgins, who I talk about a few times, she reminds me of my sister. She's just so peaceful, so helpful. She gave me a basket and she collected other people. She campaigned for other people to put stuff in the basket too. And it was like, Phyllis. So they came in clapping their hands. And it was her birthday. So I started clapping my hands. So I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, wait a minute, but she's in the line. So this is for me. And I got so, I was so touched. It brought tears to my eyes. And they started talking. They were like, Phyllis, we know you've been through a lot over the last year. Um, and we just want to let you know that we see you. We appreciate you. And we're here for you. I had that. I had, I've had community to help me during these difficult times. And I'll go into more detail about treatment, but that's just cumulative grief that I wanted to talk about. Oh, and before that, my uncle passed away that January 2021. Let me go back. My cousin passed away August 2020. My uncle January 2021. My sister August 2021. And my sister in love, February 2022. So it was a lot to experience. And um, just to be transparent, the VA was like, hey, you want to go on a vacation? We can send you on a vacation. I was like, I don't know about that vacation. That seems kind of scary. But there's some people who don't bounce back from grief. So I know people, a lot of people assume that I'm very strong, but my only other option is to not be strong is to, is to cave in. And I don't want to do that. So that's what keeps me fighting and also having faith, especially having faith and having community. Yes. Community is so important. And as you were talking about these experiences, you're talking a year ago that you experienced the the last loss that you experienced. But you went back to work. Your sister died on August 3rd. And you said in that same month, within a week after burying your sister, you were back at work. And it was my so, birthday. The day I went back was on my birthday. On yeah. your birthday. And that is a lot. While you're grieving, you're going back to work and you're dealing with all of the stuff that's associated with work, yet you're still dealing with the death of your sister and your uncle. And then subsequent, you have more death. So are you still <laughs> switching on a switching on a hat? Let me switch it off. Let me switch it off. Switch it off. Okay. But are you still processing your grief? I am. And when I was reading the pro the steps to grief or the the not the steps of grief, the different emotions or different experience you have with grief, it took me until this year to say my sister is dead. Like I remember getting angry when people would say that. Like, why are you saying that? She's passed away. She transitioned. She's not dead. Like of course, I knew she was dead, but it just sounded so permanent to hear died and dead in the same sentence with their name. 
Um, so I'm still processing it. I sometimes feel like I'm very alone because of the relationship you had with them. You may not have with other people. Mm-hmm. And that's something important, too. Everybody grieves differently. And everybody had a different relationship with a person that we really don't know. We may think we do, but we don't. Because I moved away from home when I was 18. So I've been gone for, what, 21 years? I'm almost 40. And that's something. It goes back to that. Let me see. Disenfranchised. Well, you 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 left home when you were 18. but. Grief doesn't have a distance. You could be geographically close to somebody and still be distance away from them. So even though I wasn't geographically close to those people, I still was close to them in a relationship aspect. Yeah, that was a really good point because people, some people experience these these different things and other people kind of make them feel bad about what they're experiencing because it's not the way they expect it to be. But it doesn't have to be the way that other people expect it to be. It's the way that you are experiencing it. And we all have our own grief journey to travel, although we can have help along the way in traveling this journey. But it's ours that we have to travel alone. I'm a very private person and I feel really vulnerable in speaking about my experiences on to out to the internet universe so that's that that's kind of tough for me but i do want to just speak about the anticipatory grief that i dealt with and continue to deal with my grandfather as you know died in 2019 so on his birthday which is march 22nd which is 4 years ago today on his birthday, they wanted to put him in hospice. They said that you know he was his health was declining and that he was dying. So when you were talking and you were saying you know about the calls and when you're going to get the call, at, at some point I I kept getting I kept getting calls and I would get a call and they'd be like your grandfather he he's not doing very well. You need to come. You need to come down here. So I'd go there. And I don't know if he just perked up, but he perked up. And then two days later, I'm getting the call. So it's like I was having this, I was having trouble sleeping because I'm always expecting these people to call. So they called another time. Same thing. Your grandfather's not doing so well. You need to get down here. So Man, my husband, we rush, we get, we get down there. He's, he's not doing so well. He's not looking well. They're telling me, you know, he's not going to make it through the night. I'm sitting there all day. I'm calling family members so they can say goodbye and all this stuff. And he's, he's still stuck around. So on Easter Sunday, they called in which my husband and I, we were planning on going to visit him that day anyway. But they called on Easter Sunday and they said, your grandfather, he's not looking good. He, he's not going to make it. And so now I'm mad because I'm like, you guys don't know how you keep stressing me out, calling me every other day, telling me my grandfather is dying. And then when I get there, you know, and he perks up he's like, well, what are y'all talking about? So this particular day, this Easter Sunday, I, I was so mad. And I told my husband, I said, these people keep calling. I said, I'm going to go to the to the director and I'm going to tell them to quit calling me 
stressing me out because they keep saying my grandfather dying when he's not dying. But that day, so I, I we start getting dressed, but I'm lollygagging because I'm like, these here they are again talking about my grandfather dying and my grandfather ain't going nowhere. Because also, you know, I, I thought my grandfather not really. <laughs> I thought my grandfather was immortal, not really, but he was 103 years old. So he just and he went through all kinds of stuff. He's like the time eggs kept licking and kept on ticking. So I I was like, yeah, this this guy, he's not going anywhere. So me and my husband, we get dressed and we get down there. And lo and behold, he's he's barely breathing. You know, he he's looking like he's on his about to take his last breath at any minute. And at some point in time while we were there, I think we may have been there for 45 minutes to an hour. He did take his last breath. And that was that was his last day. And it was really sad, even though my grandfather was 103 years old. He was old. He lived his best life. He lived a long life, longer than a lot of people. I knew he was dying at some point, like you were saying earlier, but I was still sad. Like I, was, I was still sad that, you know, when he died. And, I, and now I experience the same thing with my mother. I get my mother is, you know, is sick. And so when they call me, they they were stressing me out to the point where I told them because my mother's in California and there's a three hour time difference. So it might be one o'clock in the morning here and it's like 11 or eight, nine o'clock there. And they're calling me and I'm I'm freaking out and it's nothing. They're calling me. Oh, nothing. It's nothing. We just want to let you know that we changed medications. And I'm like, OK, I had to tell the director of nursing there, please don't call me this late at night because you guys are stressing me out because every time my phone rings, I think you're calling to tell me that my mother is dead. And so they stopped calling me and now they they call my niece during those times and they called me more during during the day. And I told them only call me at night if there's an emergency. So I kind of <laughs> have alleviated that part, but I still, you know, I, I'm still waiting. That call is going to come one of these days. And when it does, I'm still not going to be ready, even though I've been anticipating this for a long time. Yes. And as you were talking, I remember your granddad was 100. Well, I don't remember he was over 100. But I think about stuff like that, too. People in an attempt to comfort you, they may say, girl, be happy. Your granddad lived to be 103 and kind of invalidate your feelings. But you're still allowed to go through that process. You're still allowed to go through that process. And I know we spoke so much on death. And we I only talked about um, parents who have special needs kids. That's a form of grief. But also not having the same relationship you once had with people, whether that's because they're addicts or whether they are starting to forget who you are. There's a grieving process then. But you know me, it is, it's been about 30 minutes. It's past that time. Yeah. So (laughs) I, like I said, grief is a heavy topic and it's, uh, there's so much associated with grief. We didn't even talk about, well, you, you briefly talked about some of the ridiculous things that people say 
even though they're trying to be helpful, but sometimes the best way to be helpful is just to be present. And oh, I have to shout out my friend. One of my favorite quotes is you're the sum of the five people you hang around with. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends, when I lost my sister, she said, Phyllis, I'm here if you need me. How can I help you? Mm-hmm. And that meant so much to me because sometimes people just want to listen and ear. Sometimes people just want to shoulder the crown. Sometimes people want, hey, distract me. Send me some mm-hmm. funny TikToks. Whatever the person wants, they can tell you and you can do it. But saying stuff like, oh, well, blah, 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 this and blah, 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 that, that's um, lacks compassion isn't good. Um, and I now we've talked about our experiences overall or in a nutshell, but I also wanted to talk about very briefly for me, it goes back to faith. If it, if I did not have faith in God, I wouldn't have been able to get through it. And I remember the year my sister passed away. My, I do these things called one words and my one word was praise. Mm-hmm. And I thought, God, how can I praise you through this experience? But I still, I still praised God. I still thank God. And there's a whole book in the Bible about lamenting. So we have permission to do that, which I'm not the type of person that'll just offload my troubles to other people. So I bottled it in and I, I think I tried to just stay busy. You and two other friends said something like, Phyllis, you're not yourself. And I was like, what am I doing about myself? So <laughs> um, I had three friends to suggest to me, I think you need to go to therapy. I think you need to go to grief therapy. And a few days before my sister in love passed away, which was, it was so fast when that happened. I had just signed up for grief therapy for my sister, for my biological sister. And I'm glad I had a great therapist who was from the same culture of me, same background. She was a Christian. She was Southern. Um, She was a Black woman. And she really helped me get through the steps in the process and have some self-awareness about where I'm at. So I suggest, I know it's hard, but I suggest people to try grief therapy, to tell people how you need help. And if you are a believer or whatever you believe in, do devotions to come to peace with what has happened. I want to add another option is a support group. I think sometimes people don't know what they don't. Well, all the time, people don't know what they don't know. And support groups can be helpful just as much as therapy in that you get education, you learn coping strategies, you're able to share your story, you're able to hear other people's stories, you're able to make connections. And this goes back to the collective work and responsibility. You're not alone. Even though your journey is yours alone, you are not alone. 
there are people who are willing to help you and assist you. Like you said, somebody asked you, how can I help? There are, there are ways that you may need help that only other people can provide you, that you, you're not able to give yourself this type of help, especially if you're feeling down and depressed and you don't want to get up and go anywhere. Someone can bring you groceries or someone can sit with you or someone can read a book to you or read the Bible to you or or whatever it is that, that you like to do. Put together a puzzle together or something. Just being in the presence of other people sometimes help. And then there are people who just want to be left alone. But there comes a point in time where you may realize that being left alone is just not enough. I need more. If I'm going to heal, I need the support of other people. Yes. And the last thing I want to say is another thing is to create rituals or and have new experiences. I know I was part of this group where it was a grief support group and we painted we painted these rocks and we we wrote on the rocks what we wanted to say to the person who had passed away. This was about, you know, people who had died. And then they planted the rocks in a rock garden in a around a tree. We we went outside it, this happened at a church and we planted the we placed the rocks around the a tree and planted and and created this memorial rock garden. So you can do those things, even at a personal level, you can come up with different rituals. I know when my brother passed away, we had sunflowers at his funeral or at his memorial service. And I brought the sunflowers home and I dried them out. I put the sunflowers in a jar. I bought some sunflower fabric. I put that on the top and put it in a jar. And I have that sitting in my cabinet as a as a memory uh, for my brother. So there are all kinds of things you can do. And again, have new experiences. Go different places. If you don't want to be bothered with other people, go for walks. Go visit places that maybe you wanted to go to with the person, if if it's even a person. Because again, grief is not only about the loss of people, but it's also about the loss of other things. So it, say if you lost a job, you want to have new experiences where you well, I didn't get to do this while I was working here, but I can I can do it at home. I can try these things at home or or things like that. So those are all ways to help you heal and get through your grieving process. And, you know, one way, another way that I have used a tool for grief is writing. So mm. I'm a writer. I write poetry. So that has been one of the tools I've used in knowing as when it comes to grief in a form of people passing away with my word being praised that year. I also made sure I gave praise. Hey, I just want to let you know, I love you and send a card, send, send something to say, I was thinking of you. So knowing that, um, knowing that I gave people their flowers while they live, so that that was a one I didn't to talk about. I'm glad you talked about rituals. So that's the end of our podcast for grief. And we have to let you guys know this is not ending on a sour note. The end of something is the beginning of something else. 
The end of a job may mean a promotion at your next job. So we are ending on a different note, but we have enjoyed these last few years doing live podcasts, doing pre-recorded podcasts, having guests, being featured in newspapers, doing Zooms for other people. So we will still be at this Living the Principles just in a different way. Latricia, do you want to talk about that way? We're going to continue to show up either on our Facebook page. So if you are not part of our Facebook page, go ahead and like that. On our website, we are still going to have our occasional blog posts. We're going to still do the, what is it called? Living the Principles on the Go. Living the Principles on the Go. Yes, we're going to do the Living the Principles on the Go. We are... Some of you may already know we wrote a children's book. We're going to continue down uh, the children's book road. We have another children's book that we are writing or that we have written written, and a third one. So we're on on a three book journey. So we're still going to be around and we're still going to be living the principles. And we hope that you will continue to live the principles as well. Sign up for our newsletter. So you can see what we have going on or I'm not big on social media, but Phyllis keeps our social medias up to date. So follow us on wherever we are. We're on, we're everywhere, right? We're on TikTok, uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. YouTube. So come just stay in touch with us and see where we end up next because we know that God has something planned and in store for us. We want to continue. We believe wholeheartedly in what we're doing. We believe in the community. We believe in the culture. We believe in excellence. So we have faith in all these things. And we are going to continue with the mission that we're on. It's just going to look a little different, but we're still living those principles. Thank you so much. So what I heard in your summary of what we'll continue to do was the principal challenge. I don't think we've ever told anybody to follow us on all those platforms. There's people that's probably, that's something me and you were both not good at advertising ourselves. So we have a TikTok, we have a YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. The principal challenge, Latricia? Principal challenge. Live them out. Our principal challenge for today is to connect with us on our social media platforms and our website. Sign up for our newsletter. And our website is livingtheprinciples365.com. As we often do with our good news, we're going to stick with the same theme as the body. So open your mind, hearts, and ears as we spread the good news. Not rumors. Not rubbish. Living the principles. We spread the good news. Kobe Bryant's accomplishments stretch well beyond the basketball court, leaving his fingerprints all over the city of Los Angeles. His handprints and footprints now will be permanently displayed at the TCL Chinese Theater in Hollywood. 
Bryant in 2011 became the first athlete to imprint his hands and feet in cement at the iconic theater. During the ceremony on Wednesday, the theater honored the late star by enshrining those imprints in the venue's forecourt along Hollywood Boulevard. Our second good news, in 2018, the National Trust for Historic Preservation named Nina Simone Childhood Home a historically significant site and announced its plan for preservation. Four artists all partnered in 2017 to jointly purchase Nina Simone's home, saving it for demolition and leading them to eventually request support from the National Trust and other community members and organizations. Now, tennis icon Venus Williams is joining the efforts, helping Pendleton, the National Trust, and the African-American Cultural Heritage Action Funds raised the money for Nina Simone Childhood Home Preservation Project. Our final good news, we're going to go back almost 200 years. In the 1830s, James William Charles Pennington, a former enslaved person, made history by being the first Black person to attend classes at the Yale Divinity School and the university at large. Nearly 200 years later, on February 23rd, 2023, the Graduate and Professional Student Senate passed a resolution to make Pennington the first person to be given a posthumous alumni seat at the GPSS, which is Graduate and Professional Student Senate. Beyond inducting Pennington into the Senate, the GPS is formally calling on the university, university to retroactively grant him a Bachelor's of Art, Master's of Divinity, or doctorate degree and amend Section 27 of the Board of Trustees by Laws, which currently maintains don't know that no honorary degrees are to be given posthumously. Although he may not have any degrees currently from Yale, Heidelberg University awarded Pennington an honorary doctorate degree in 1849. And on December 12, 2022, sitting president Peter Salvi, Salvi announced the Pennington Fellowship, which will support New Haven Public School students planning to attend historically Black colleges and universities. And I hope these good news allow you to know that energy continues. What you plant can be seen hundreds, decades, years from now. Our soul snack. Our soul snack for today comes from an African proverb, and it says, grapes are eaten one by one. That's our show for today. That's our show. That's our show. <laughs> for a long time. We'll do some hey, how you doing? But that's our show. That's but continue show. to enhance your minds and impact communities. Thanks for listening to Living the Principles Podcast. Be sure to visit us at livingtheprinciples365.com to access the show and join in on the conversations.